Hello, and welcome to the 15th episode of Columbus Local Podcast. Well, you know, the first episode <laughs> was with Lars Raymond, and Lars is back again tonight. And this is the Lars Raymond Redu episode. Um, Lars, thanks for coming, man. <laughs> oh, it's cool. Thanks for having me, Len. Uh, congratulations. This thing's really taken off. Oh yeah, that's a lot of fun. It's it's great, and uh, it's it's purposed, and um, it's all a part of um, community. And so many stories, and so many egos that need to be stoked. <laughs> oh, I kid. We're we're all I entertainers, kid. man. We're all we had a two and a half hour pregame warm up, so this should be interesting. Yeah, so this evening, <laughs> we uh, uh, Lars and I are three weeks away from a from a big birthday this year, so we we had the opportunity to. Uh, partake upon uh, a fine gift that he bestowed uh, in honor of that. So thank you again for that. Oh, honors. my pleasure. I think, um, you know, when we did the first podcast, we talked about uh, a lot of what's going on in your background. And um, we really spent some time just kind of touching the surface of your time in Los Angeles on Sunset Strip. And I uh, thought it'd be fun if we could let you talk a little bit about some of that, if you want, and we'll adventure into wherever else you take us, man. No, that's cool. With um, I tried to uh, actually put some notes down because, uh, you know, last time we just winged it, and one story just opens up, and then ten more off the same story, and the next thing you know, you're done. So I did some homework this time. It's all good, man. I appreciate yeah, I appreciate yeah. you coming tonight. It's going to be good stuff. This is awesome, as always. So, uh, what do you want to know? Well, let's let's roll with um, some of the times that you had on uh, Sunset Strip, and uh, is there anything that uh, you want to share with with, <laughs> with uh, the podcast episode? Sure. So, I we got to this point last time. We did formative years up to this, and I think I did a, a couple a couple stories about it. But um, heck, we should just start right off. So when I was 20, I decided to go to Musicians Institute in Hollywood, you know, and um, left my family and my my girlfriend and my friends and everything. And it was like, but I was going to Hollywood, so it was pretty cool, right? So, you know, I say goodbye to everyone. I, you know, I get to LAX and I get in the, the cab and, you know, I'm just like, oh, like, this is great. You know, I'm looking at everything in Hollywood and stuff. So I get to my apartment this is a great start to, to, I get to my, I have two suitcases. All I have is two suitcases. I know no one. There's no, you know, there's like a, a stove and your basic stuff and a futon or whatever there. I get, get to the apartment. There's a locked gate. I get into my suitcase and I can't get the suitcase open. Turns out I picked up the wrong suitcase. <laughs> it has the apartment key in it. So we're off to a great start, right? <laughs> but anyway, like, you know, it's it's a Friday night and the boulevard is just electric. There's like low riders, like everyone would get, go to the boulevard on the weekends. And so I was like right off the boulevard. Like I said, Orchestra Street was right behind Man's Shining Cedar, right next to the Holiday Inn. So it's just electric, you know, and, and I get there and I'm so juiced up and now I can't get in the apartment. So there's some dude up there, but, but you can see people partying in apartments, open doors and stuff going on. The boulevard's loud. You've got, uh, like I said, the low riders jacking up and down. They come in on the weekends. Kids would bring 
um, big cardboard things, breakdancing was big. And there was breakdancing going on. Everyone's just everywhere. But the apartment uh, itself was raging as well. But I didn't know anyone. So I see somebody up, to up there, and the guy's walking around. And I said, hey, man. You know, he looks like he's probably in his 20s. And I said, listen, I just moved here, and I don't have my key. I said, can you let me in? He looks down at me. <laughs> Are you jiggling? That's, that's landing on me. And uh, he looks down, and you know, I ask him, could you let me in? He goes, hey, man, do you like Dio? And I'm like, what? He goes, do you like Dio? And I'm like, I love Dio. He's like, all right, man, I'll be right down. And like, so I'm glad I liked Dio. So he comes down and lets me in. Luckily, the, the uh, superintendent's there and lets me in my, in my apartment, right? Mm, that's cool. Um, so I'm like happy now, but look, I get in my apartment, you know, and I've got two suitcases. I've got a clock radio is my only audio, right? No TV, no nothing. That's when it hits me. I'm all alone. My friends, my family, my girlfriends at home. I don't know anyone. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this isn't, this is cool. But all of a sudden reality sets in, you know, the whole glamor of Hollywood and going to Hollywood's great. So basically, yeah, I just, um, I just went out and there were people coming in out, out of their apartments and stuff. And I just, you know, found a couple people I could talk to. And then the next day, the, the guy across the hall, John, who was from Cleveland, he, um, took me out and, uh, got me some stuff. Like he, he told me where to go get like down the boulevard to get your like spoons and forks. And like, I still need to get all that stuff. So uh, yeah, that was my big entrance into Hollywood. No key to get in my own place. No key. I'm here. I got no key. <laughs> oh, man. And so, you know, I got to know the tenants were cruel. They were um, eclectic, to say the least. You know, you had all kind of... The people that uh, had a place next to me, this was just a studio apartment. They worked at, like, the air... I don't know, they had some, like aerodynamic, like, high-paid jobs, but they loved Hollywood, so they got like to get CD on the weekends, you know? And then John lived across the hall. John was the um, chef. Uh, the Holiday Inn was right next door, and it had 23 floors. And the top floor rotated um, so really slowly around the edge so that you could see all of Hollywood um, slowly. But my mom took me out there first and my brother to find a place, you know? Um, we're from Lancaster, so for my, my mom to go to Hollywood, it was, I got to give her kudos. Thanks, Mom. And so every day, she's like, every day we had to go to the top of the Holiday Inn and eat. You guys <laughs> wanted to go there every day. I'm like, we didn't know where to go. That was the coolest place there. We were staying there. Why, not, well, you know, why go somewhere else? So we did. And um, I'm going to try and grab a quick photo here if I can find it. Um, but... Anyway, John was the chef. There. He was tall, black guy, and he talked like this. Law, Mr. Lars. He called me Mr. Mr. Lars. He was the head chef at the restaurant on top of the Holiday Inn, and it was nice. And, like, they had a happy hour downstairs. <laughs> and uh, he'd be like, hey, we're having wings at the happy hour. You know, we were poor. I mean, we had, like, mayonnaise sandwiches, veg all, ramen noodles, you know. And... Um, so he would give us the heads up, like, and if you bought a, a beer for $1.75, you could eat whatever. So you'd see a lot of, a lot of MI musicians in there and a lot of starving artists you around there. You learn from the best. So, so, um, and so with that in mind, 
the first person to come visit me out there was Biggie on, on his birthday. So here is a picture. I know no one can see it. Biggie posted on his post um, before. There's us at 21 years old on top of the Holiday Inn having two blue hurricanes. Love it, man. Young. Nice picture. 21 years old, right? So that was up there what I'm talking about. You want to send that to me? I can, I can attach it to uh, some of the media we have on the episode if you'd like. Okay, I can do it's that. It's up to you. Yeah, but not right this second. <laughs> So it was it was cool. So you had that going on. The tent only had like one eyed Dave downstairs and his girl and uh Bon Juni looked like Aladdin. He lived across the other side of the swimming pool. Marianne was an art student who liked to uh color her armpit hair like neon green and stuff. She was wild, she was cool. She lived there. And like I said before, Izzy Stradlin from Guns N' Roses lived downstairs and over a few doors. Some girl that used to be like an extra, like on the old show, The Love Boat, where they'd, you'd see the girls sitting around the pool. She was my neighbor for a while, but she was like Bigfoot. She was elusive. We're, we would always be listening, she, like, always listening, like, I want to I get a glimpse of her. And you'd hear the door shut and you'd look out and she'd be gone. And I was just like, oh. And then you just, I would sit there for like hours going, I'm waiting to hear that door open. I want to see what she looked <laughs> like. got a glimpse of her once. I think it was just a crash pad for her. You know, no doubt. So those were those were some of the some of the cool tenants that, that that we had there. So we had that going on. Um, you know, basically, I'm I've got notes this time because the last time we were all over the place. Um, oh, so I'll just go into another story. So when I get out there, you know, I'm in school, but I'm also playing in a band. I audition for someone to get the gig, and we go into a place called Sound Image Studios. So we're doing a demo. It's, you know, original stuff and uh, three songs. And it just happens to be that the, the engineer on this and producer just happens to be John Henning, which John Henning is the engineer and producer on the live Aria Speedwagon record to get what you play for. Just so happens, Riding the Storm Out was our Mike senior class's song. So my senior class's song the engineer and producer, John Henning, is the first person I get to work with when I get out there. That's a connection, man. That's a small world, isn't and it? I mean, it was is crazy. a small world? Yeah, it was crazy. So we, he was great. He was great. He used to hang out, too. He lived down by the beach, but he would drive up to Hollywood and hang out every once in a while. And uh, so we, you know, we did that demo, and that was the beginning of, of the first edition of Blackjack. And... Um, so we got that, and then we sent it to KNAC and KLOS, who were the big radio stations um, in L.A. at the time. And like here, they would have a local show. And it wasn't easy. There's so many bands out there. It's just utterly ridiculous. But we, we got, you know, we did get those on, both of those stations. So What year, what year are we talking? I want to say this was probably 85. Okay. I went out there, yeah, I think I got out there in 84. And so this would have been 85. And um, at this point, I'm still in MI. I'm still in school. But, uh, and I just remember going to Billy's house, you know, and Billy King was a guitar player, and all of us sitting around just anticipating, like, hearing ourselves on our favorite station. So mm -hmm. no different than, you know, with, you know, like here. You know, we've all been on the radio around here and stuff. So, and it's, and it was, but it was really exciting back then, you know. So um, that's where it went with, with the John Henning thing. So...
And then, you know, um, some of the, just some of the stuff I did, you know, I, I, you know, when I tell these stories, it's not like I'm anything special. It's just, I was young and I just went there and I was fortunate to, to have some good times. So, but I think just today, you know, since we touched on me and my up and stuff, I think I just going to try and remember as many stories as I can here. And I got some on the notes. So, you know, um, oh, like one of the times I was on my way home, it wasn't in Hollywood, but like on my way home, I was in the St. Louis airport for uh, catching another, another flight. And there's nobody in there. Um, there's one lady, it's like three in the morning, there's one lady at the counter and um, I'm coming down a corridor. I see one crumpled business suit guy and there's nobody else there. And coming down the hallway is this big lanky dude, right? Got like a striped shirt on and I get to go close and I go, my God, that's Joey Ramone. Like there's nobody else in the airport, like literally. And I just pass and I'm like, I'm, I'm not like the guy that gets autographs or anything like that. I'm like, you know, and I'm like, hey, and he's like, hey. and he just <laughs> passes me and I passed him and got on the air, airplane and left, man. Damn. <laughs> I was a big Ramones fan, so I thought that was kind of cool. Even cool. though that wasn't in Hollywood, I was, it was one of the times I was on a flight home from Hollywood. So, um, yeah. So and that first, that first episode, my voice sounded you you made me sound like Bob Dylan. No, Len, Len, why did you do it to me? Why could you? How could you I make me sound like Bob Dylan? I didn't do anything on purpose. <laughs> um, we had a couple of factors, right? Um, but we, you know, it was it was it was like any startup. You you learn a lot the first rodeo, right? Episode, right, and right. I, I appreciate you it being was the fun, guinea though. pig. <laughs> it was the content's awesome. The uh, technical challenge um has been resolved yes it sounds great i've heard every single one of these honestly mm. you're doing a great job man yeah i mean well you're i appreciate that job. yeah I mean, I tried a lot of my friends have been on here you know checking it out yeah yeah good well we're I'm, we're i mean we got this going on through the end of the year like right one that's to, awesome one to three a week that's and, incredible uh, it'll be fun yes i'm so happy for you seriously well, you're a part of it, man, and so so is everyone else that you know is uh, part of the music, whether they're on the on the podcast episodes or, or, or not. Right? It's mm -hmm. a community that uh, I think is really, you know, there's such a wealth of great yeah. musicians. Yeah, it's it's insane. People don't realize how much you know we do, but I don't think a lot of people, even the people that go see bands, do. I think, but I think the vast majority of people that don't have no idea that where you can go anywhere and. You know, and see a, so much talent. It's you know, a matter. Anytime. It's a matter of the pro. You know, you're a you're a product of your environment, right? Right. And you might have an interest, and you think you know what music is because you're hearing it on the radio, right? So you're listening to uh, pop on the radio, of which many of that is just computer animation and AI and. Right, not really instrumentation mm -hmm. and live performance at all. Right, it's all electronic and digital and whatnot. But um, you know, you, you're you're right. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a good point. You know, it's going to be whatever you um, you know whatever you think it is. But there's there's so much other facets of what you don't know. Right, right, yeah, but it's it's just there's a lot of great stuff out here. We just got back from a vacation in Michigan, 
and uh, just so happens we were close to Michigan City, Indiana. I don't know. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Michigan City is in Indiana. Okay, it's right by Michigan. I don't know. Anyway, I wouldn't get that. That's pretty so, wild. Anyway, it, and Didn't so know. the first person that crashed at my pad, which I put up many people willingly and very happy that I could in, in be Los the first one in to Los go. Angeles? Right. You know, like I said, I was you know the first person out there. I didn't know anyone. So the first person that crashed in my place um, was Tim Miller, and he he was from Indiana, and he's you know I put him up for just a little while. Um, till he could find a place. He's a bass player. Went to BIT. Um, it was MI. You know, it's different versions of it depending on what instrument you play. Tim was a great bass player, and he's back in Michigan City. He'd been living in Japan for 20 years, teaching at. So MI had a Japanese location as well, and Tim taught there for like 20 years. Recently, he just moved back, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're like 15 minutes from Michigan City, Indiana. I get a hold of him. We get to, I showed you the picture earlier. I showed you guys, and uh, first time I'd seen him in 39 years. 39 years. He still looked great, and you know he's still out there playing. That's and, so cool. Uh, but a story that relates to him was Timmy Bogart, that was um, in Vanilla Fudge and also Beck Bogart in a piece, came to teach at MI when we started, and that was when Tim was staying with me. That was his like hero, Tim Bogart. And they kept him, Tim, Timmy just died like a couple years ago, but they would get together every year still, like all through all of this time, they, would, they were still friends. But he gets Tim to come over to my, like I'm just turned 21. He gets Tim to come over to my little studio apartment. There's Tim Bogart and I'm like 21. And Tim Bogart, legendary bass players in there, right? And we may or may not have been doing a little party. It was Friday school was out and uh, he starts, so <laughs> there's a story of Led Zeppelin and the infamous shark groupie story. Okay. Well, you know, I just read about it. Well, Tim was on tour with them with Vanilla Fudge. And Tim tells the story firsthand of the, the Led Zeppelin shark group. I'm not going to tell it. But here he is. Firsthand. Firsthand. He was there. And tells the story and saw it, the whole thing. Where was that located? In, in, I in think his they were, neighborhood? I think, no, I think it was in Los Angeles. Mm. Like, they were touring together. Yep. And um, so here I'm 20, like, Tim Bogart's telling the story of, like, the legendary. And I'm just, like, yeah. pinching myself. Like, this is insane. Super nice guy, totally down to earth. Great bass player. But that was probably the one of the first decent stories I had when I moved, when I moved out sweet. there. Just another Friday, Friday afternoon in Hollywood. <laughs> So that's kind of relating. Um, that's how that kind of relates back to Tim, uh, Tim Miller. So, but it was, it was great seeing him out there. So, you know, and then club wise, like I said, we played the Troubadour. That that demo that we did that got on the radio, got us a residency. Blackjack. Um, I told the 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 other one I told last time was my first band, Jackal with the limo story, but Blackjack got in there and. We got a residency at the Troubadour, so you know we played every Sunday for a month, which was super cool. And I was out there before it was paid to play, so you know that was happening. So that all went on, and uh, that you know that was a good time. But that that was kind of my hang. But there were other clubs too, like you know the whiskey was was down for a while. It was no, it did open right before I split again. You know, so um, it wasn't even open for the mo when I was during the time I was playing the Troubadour. 
But there was another club up North Hollywood called Raji's. And so it was a punk slash, you know, alternative rock place. And it looked, it was, it, the place looked just like it sounded. It was Raji's. And it was kind of a dome. It had a kind of an Indian feel to it. And like Jane's Addiction played there and like uh, Green Days played there. And I used to just go see, you know, Thelonious Monster. Just all kind of like really cool indie bands played there. So sometimes, you know, even though I was a rocker, this was the opposite way. This was up North Hollywood. So Raji's was up there and... Uh, Did you go often? Did um, you hit it? Yeah, you know, I... Being, I like the Troubadour scene and, and the Rainbow and stuff, but I, you know, I like a lot of different stuff, and it was super cool to go up there and, and get to see some of those bands. Like, we practiced, actually, Blackjack, rehearsed at Mates, which was really nice. It was the nicest studio, but for a while, we rehearsed at someone named Pat, this 17-year-old kid that lived with his mom in the Valley. We called him the Weasel, because he'd always have you down, and he'd be, oh, I got that gig booked, so he became the Weasel. And... When we would come out, once in a while we would come out of there and like Jane's Addiction's out sitting on their car and they would mm. come in after us because there weren't many places to practice out there. Mates was nice. That was where all the, the, the bigger bands practiced and it was well worth it. Um, but for whatever reason at this point, we had to go somewhere else and we found this place and somehow Jane's Addiction found that place too. And so they weren't, they weren't big yet, you know, really big yet either, so... Um, and Guns N' Roses weren't signed yet either. When Izzy lived below me, he had a girlfriend that, I think she worked the seventh fail, but she was a stripper, blonde, and they rode around on an Indian motorcycle, which was really badass, right? But Izzy always had that long, leopard-skinned Keith Richards in the middle of Hollywood summers. Izzy's <laughs> got that long coat, and they doubled up on the Indian motorcycle. <laughs> he had to be hot, but he looked cool. Izzy was, Izzy was extremely deal. cool, so, you know, we had that going on. And then, the, see, the other club was like, a totally different club that was close to me was the Seven Seas. That's legendary. It had been around Hollywood for years. So I lived on Orchid. Orchid dead-ended on the Hollywood Boulevard, and where it dead-ended, the Seven Seas was right across the street. Man Chinese Theater was right on the right side of where Orchid dead-ended. But the Seven Seas, you know, I was... I just had to go do stuff by myself. Like if I wanted to go, to, let's say I want to go to the beach, Santa Monica, Venice, I took two buses, I just spent the day by myself. And there were some lonely days out there, I'm not going to lie. But, you know, it was, it was what it was. Or if I went to the Troubadour by myself before anyone moved out there, I had to take a couple buses and then I'd have to walk home because the buses didn't run and that was a long walk with a guy, with, with, a guy with, a, with a gun belt and army uh, fatigues <laughs> on. <laughs> But the Seven Seas was legendary, and I really didn't go there much. It was just like I was bored. I went down there once. and Just to check it out. A couple dudes hit on me, and next thing you know, I'm leaving with Mrs. Robinson. She's about 40, and she's got a convertible. And Something about girls and convertibles out in Hollywood I keep leaving with. The last things, story. The last story things, I told you. The girl that stranded me out in the middle of nowhere yes. had a convertible as well. And did you ever see that person again? No. Negatory. No, it was just I needed a babysitter that night. I was lonely, so that was <laughs> right. But the night before your finals. <laughs> no, that's a different one. Oh, so let me tell you about that. That comes back around again as yeah. I as I as I look at my notes here. I'm, 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 I'm trying to stay focused here. I, you know, I appreciate the fact that you actually like thought about what you wanted to cover. Well, I knew we were going to pregame. Who knows where <laughs> the conversation could have went? 
So, okay, he, so let's see. I went to the club. So from the clubs, there was a haagen an actual little ice cream shop. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they ever had it here. Did they ever have a haagen shop? It's just you have to buy they, the store now. They're, they're around. Where they, they, I think I've seen them in New York. I think they're in okay. airports, too, actually. Okay. So Man's Shining Cedar took up the whole block. That, that went to our street, other than there was a haagen squeezing in the corner. And so I'll never forget, like, Paul Gilbert was in my class, who was in Racer X and Mr. Big. He's like, he was on Guitar Magazine when he was 16. So he was in my class. And uh, I remember being in front of haagen watching Paul comes up because, man, I just got this greatest drummer. You, you gotta, you're not gonna believe it, you know? And we're all like, yeah, whatever, cool, we're all, you know, we're all striving to make it. Turns out it was Scott Travis, who's been in Judas Priest for a long time. Mm-hmm. Also in Racer X. He beat you out, huh? Oh, man. You know. Like a pulp? Paul was great, too. Like, Paul's just, Paul's silly. He's like, like everyone, you know, knows, knows Paul. Speaking of uh, your former guest, my buddy Rob Johnson was on here. He did a guitar clinic at the Japanese MI while my buddy Tim was teaching there. Talk about a small world. It's a small world. And I just found that out, but hanging would, out with him. And would, uh, would you want to paint the, the world, given that it, you know, I mean, it's still something big to paint. I didn't mean to interrupt you, man. <laughs> what happened? What uh, just happened? I don't know. I'm confused. I, there's too much going on in my head. <laughs> no, I'm not painting. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. So anyway, that was, that was kind of fun, that little thing. And, uh. I don't know. We're just telling stories. One time, I was walking down Hollywood or um, Sunset Boulevard, and it's the middle of the day, and all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of a shootout with the cops in an apartment. Like literally, middle of the day, beautiful. I'm like, I'm skipping along, probably whistling, and <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, I hear he hates these cans. <laughs> All of a sudden, I hear, run! And I look up, and there's a cop with a gun, right? <laughs> and then I hear, run! And the cops are on both sides of this apartment complex gate that goes in off, off Sunset. Mm. And they're both telling me to run the different direction. And I'm like, am I going to die? And so I finally just ran the way I started. I was just like, <laughs> like one minute you're just walking along Take there, cover. and the next you're in the middle of a gunfight. So. Get to the chopper. Yeah. <laughs> The Arnold stories and Sylvester Stallone story comes later. That's not a Hollywood one. That's when I moved back. That's for a later date. So I don't know, Len. What do you got to say? In regard to what? Anything, Dude, I'm man. just blown away by these <laughs> these these memories. I'm trying of yours. to drop. I'm name dropping. I'm flushing these down the toilet. Like I'm trying to drop as many as I can. <laughs> um, I let's see. Are are we at the are we at the rainbow stories yet? How we do on time? We're in good shape, man. We okay? Absolutely. You know, if we run out of juice here, we'll uh, we'll do as many episodes as you want. <laughs> Don't say that. Everyone already hates me because I'm on for the second. Ah, he's already done one. He's back on again. That guy. Why? I, uh, well, yeah, I, we, I was a sound check, so you know things. Things you have felt. Improved. You felt bad. Oh yeah. You made me laugh. I couldn't feel so. I had to come back, Lena. I really appreciate it. I, you know, the important thing was we addressed it. Now, Matt Sestone helped me debug, you know, some of those issues. And it was not, it wasn't easy. It, yeah. It, it took me, it took me like two months to, to, I bet. to debug it. It was more of a software thing than I mean, it was hardware. But I, but I do uh, appreciate the fact that 
the gear upgrade is going to go a long way. Sure. I mean, it, you can tell. And, and for mu- music stuff too, you know, this right. is a whole, it's a, you know, iMac and this is the, you know, it's all, it's all studio. It's ready, awesome. Ready it's to awesome. Go. Audio interfaces, yeah. et cetera. So, but you know, it was worth all that, uh, analysis and debugging, but to get back to you, man, this, this is about Lars Raymond tonight. This was tough, you know, three and a half years out there trying to, to, to whittle it down. But I, mm. I think I'm, I think that, uh, I'm hitting some okay stuff up. I think maybe, um, you want me to tell a few of the rainbow stories from hanging out the rainbow? I, I think you should. Okay. So, so the, you know, those that don't know, like when you say rainbow, what are you talking? The rainbow bar and grill, it's on sunset and it's where all the rockers hang out. It's been there since, you know, Zeppelin mm. was hanging there even before that. Um, they had like the Vampire Club, little private. That's me. Keep going. A little <laughs> private upstairs club. Who? One of the monkeys was actually in this. This was a notorious party. Huey Lewis was a notorious partier in this in this in this gang of, of guys. Anyway, but anyway, the Rainbows doesn't have bands, and um, it's just uh, this is where all the rockers hang out and have for years. And when I went for five dollars, you could get in. And you could either get two beers or a drink with that. And so they had Stella Artois. So you figure, you know, hanging out at the boat with a bunch of cats and for $5 and getting a couple beers. It was quite a deal. Now, if we went the, the drink route, you went for the Long Island iced tea because <laughs> that was the most bang for your buck. Stay and they, for, for they, they did it. They, they were serious about it. It would take a long time to finish a rainbow uh, Long Island iced tea. So, so that was kind of cool. But um, uh, let's see. Let's, let me start with how about the um, uh, how about the Greg Bissonette, Nico McBrain. Um, so Nico's Iron Maiden's drummer and Greg Bissonette at the time was playing with David Lee Roth. It was really crowded. Um, I just that was when I was playing the troub. At the time, I decided I was going to play two bass drums. I had a black and a red twenty sixes. I had the bottom kit to start with, and I added another twenty six black and red. The band was blackjack. You see, you see what's up here. So it's yeah. literally that night. It was me and Bissonette, Greg and Nico in a corner huddled. And it was really crowded, just talking about drums. And this was like the height of maidens, like those you know peace of mind and. And that era, it was after Number of the Beast, but he'd been in there for a little bit. And it was just great. It was just three drummers, and Nick was like, oh, you double bass drummers, you know, because Greg was playing, <laughs> Greg was in David Lee Ross band, you know, and he was playing a double kick back then. And uh, Greg was super nice, and I would go on to see Greg. Like, when I came back, I taught at Coil Music, and Greg was, uh, once he left David Lee Roth, was doing clinics. And he came to the Lancaster Coils and only two people showed up. I mean, he was a trooper. Like He's been in Ringo's band. He's a drummer for Ringo Starr. He's been in that band for a long time. But when I met him, he was, he was with David Lee Roth. So, but later on, I would see him at NAMM shows. I, so I was the teacher there and I hung out with him a little bit. You know, it was super nice. His dad traveled with him, Bud. Helped him like cart all the stuff around, man. It was great. So it was father-son. That's a cool deal. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um, so then after that, I would run into him at the NAMM show down in Nashville every once in a while. And then I took Gabe, who's here. Hey, Gabe, my lovely wife. I took her back to Cali so I could show her all the places, you know, take her around and everything. And um, the baked potato 
is an institution where all the teachers and people like just get together and play. It's very small. They added another one uh, in North Hollywood. So when we went back, just so happened that Andy Summers from the police, Greg Bissonette, and I, a young bass player that I'm not sure who it was from uh, San Francisco flew in. They played all John Coltrane tunes. And I was like, oh my gosh, it holds like 50 people. It's so intimate, it's like someone's room, right? I don't remember how I got his tickets, but I got his tickets. So we go in there, and Greg's dad, Bud's in there, who I'd met before as well, and he's with Don Famularo, who's like the global ambassador of drums. He has something called The Sessions, and it's, uh, he interviews everyone, you know, ever from Steve Vai to Steve Gadd to everybody, it's incredible. So it's like, hey, hey, you know, and they're like, hey, why don't you guys sit with us? So Gabe and I are sitting with Greg's dad and Don Famularo, and they play Coltrane stuff, and it's great. And um, that, like, it's 50 of us in there. It's like so intimate, you know. And Andy Summers was actually shorter than me, which is not easy to do. And Andy was real nice. And, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not an autograph guy, but talked to him for a little bit. And he was really kind of just very mellow and shy. And, you know, we just kind of talked a couple of minutes and gave a nice split. So the Greg Bissonette thing kind of, you know, went on and on there for a little bit. And um, that's really cool. Speaking of David Lee Roth, the other one of the other stories I have is Billy Sheehan. Um, Billy was the bass player for David Lee Roth. He had been in a band called Talus before that, well respected. And Billy's also in Mr. Big with Paul Gilbert. Small world, right? For sure. They I should have been the drummer. But anyway, this is another story. <sighs> so so um, Billy Sheehan had done some stuff at MI, and I'm with my bass player. I'm Clyde Lucky Prince. And uh, we're in there, and Billy's telling us, like, you know, I'm getting this new guitar built. Prude wouldn't know who it is. I talked to him about this before, eh, Sean? But um, I can't remember what, who was building. He's all, you know, because I've got my bass player with me. So he's all, you know, and he's got this wad of money. He's never had money like this before, right? And we're poor. He just, literally like a wad like this, and he just buys all night long, right? And for some reason, my buddy was drinking white Russians. I... So we're drinking white Russians. We meet a couple girls from Chicago. Billy kind of gets nudged out of this, and my bass player and I sit with the two girls from Chicago. At this point, we've been in there all night. So, you know, hanging with Billy, it was cool and everything. We've been hanging with a couple girls. I start nodding off because we've been at it for a while, and I'm, white Russians aren't my thing. All of a sudden, I hear some commotion as I'm kind of nodding off. I look over in the corner, and there's a little fire. And Cece DeVille's, it's at Cece's table from Poison. And it woke me up, and they got it under control. And then we left. So, and Billy dated like one of, uh, a girl named Joyce that was in my class. She was at the base school, and she was always dressed for stage. I don't know if she had a BC Rich or Warlock or something base, but he dated her for a while too. So we, you know, see, see him around a little bit. So, uh, that's uh, that little story right there. That's one of my faves. Um, I'll just I'll roll a few more. Um, Lemmy, we had just seen anyone that Lemmy like lived at the Rainbow. Basically, there's a statue of him there. So we'd just seen Motorhead at the Palladium um, that week, actually. And so we did we would do the Rainbow on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So we had just seen Motorhead at the Palladium. They were having like sound problems the first three songs cutting in and out right and but they got together finally and uh, you know how that is you can deal with a little bit 
Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> you can deal with a little bit. It's not the equipment. But after man. three after three songs and you're at that level, you're you're gonna be irritated. With that being said, those that's a loud ice that's the loudest ice cube I've I've ever heard in my life, mm, by the way. It's a pop. That's what it popped, but it wasn't popped. My glasses. Ten year reserve. <laughs> I, th- I think Beth just wants to refill you, didn't she? No, my glasses. It's over here. <laughs> it's not in her hand. Oh, I was. What was I talking about? Oh, Lemmy. Yeah. So anyway, I run into Lemmy, literally like three days later, four days later at the at the bow, and I start talking him up. And the thing was, everyone was like, it was just you know, it wasn't a star trip there. You know, we were all long hair musicians, you know, and we were playing the true, and we were going to school and stuff, so obviously we weren't at that level. But anyone, you know, so I said, Lemmy, we saw you at the Palladium, you know, a few nights ago. I said, it sounded great, but I said, man, that was kind of a bummer. You guys had, you know, those sound issues, the first three songs. Lemmy looks at me and says, but we didn't stop, did we, mate? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. And I said, no, press you didn't. On, press on. When, when I left, he was on a table with my guitar player singing drinking songs. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that's, you know, out there probably has a Lemmy story, but I, that was, he was just so that's down cool. to you earth what? and just, you know, I mean. I, I don't know um, too many people that, that, that have had the opportunities that, that you have given the choice you made to go out there and experience you know what you could do and what you did and uh most of us like me you know read about this stuff but i'm never gonna live it you know you write it that's and that's that's really cool i will say this you know it was hard moving away from everybody mm. you know not knowing anyone and i but i knew that you know i'd kicked around here and played the hour so god knows how many times already and stuff and i loved it don't get me wrong but with the band that was then kind of fizzled and it was like what am I going to do? Like, I don't really, I'm not really good at anything else. I can do some menial stuff, but I really wanted to do music, you know? And like I said last time, I had like partial scholarships to Capital or OU, and I just wasn't, it was still cost a fortune to go to Capital, but it, you know, I'm just like, I just want to play music. And so with MI, like I said, it was just music classes all day long, different ones with great teachers, no math, no science, you know, and, uh, None of that, so, but the bow was a hub, so it's just the place where you would meet people. The girl <laughs> that left me high and dry, getting back to my finals that I mentioned last time, ironically enough, what do you think her name is? Oh, it's Karen. Her name is Karen. <laughs> she was the original Karen. Wow. So I, when I graduated from him, I had to find a job, so... Yeah, I'm gonna play. I went to Warehouse Entertainment. It was like Tower Records. Um, it was in North Hollywood, um, and it also had like twelve thousand videos. It was somewhere a musician would go to try and get a job. So <laughs> I w- <laughs> So okay, this is like probably I don't know, like three months after the Karen incident, busking back to get to my finals. I get an interview for, you know where I'm going to go with this. I get an interview with Warehouse. I go there. Guess who's interviewing me? It's Karen. It is the same Karen. Lucky you. And I let Karen know, Karen Odlars. 
after leaving me high and dry and not taking me back to my apartment after that night and not giving me any money. So do you stay in touch with, do you stay in touch with her? I do not. <laughs> no. So she did hire me. So I got that job then. And then during the Troubadour residence, Imagine. then during the Troubadour residency, her and a girl named Penny Pipkin, I'm not making that name up. She was Philippine would come to every gig and they bring a fifth of tequila over to my apartment after every one of their shows. And so Mondays, I, was, I drove for a duplicating company, HVC or something like that, all over Los Angeles. And I didn't make too many Mondays that month, I gotta tell you. <laughs> I'd have someone calling in, hey Clyde, I'd have my bass player, hey Clyde, call in and tell him I'm sick. And the girl answered phones, his name was Karen. I don't know what is up with all the Karens, but she was super cool, so I got away with it. And, I, I didn't lose my job. And at Karen perhaps comes we, full circle. Perhaps we need to look her up and I don't ever do want to some see her again. Facebook connections no, and no. whatnot. I, she was the assistant manager there too, mm -hmm. so she was like always on me. Hey, let's go to the rainbow. Hey, let's do this. And, you know, was, no, let's not. You know, we went there once. It didn't work out. Um, so <laughs> trouble. Do we have time for like maybe another story or two? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so. One of the other times, like, you know, there's a lot of other stuff in here. And um, like I said, when Biggs came out to visit me, he was the first one. And I took him, you know, I gave him the full tour. I'm not going to tell this story because in the future, possibly, when something opens up, maybe him and I can come on and we can talk about those times that we had, you know, while he was staying with me and living out there. That, so, would, be, that would be fun. You know, we'll, we'll get, I know he, well, he probably won't want to do it because he absolutely hates attention. You, you know, you know this gentleman a little stronger <laughs> than myself. Oh, I kid. Um, but his name does come up a lot, you know. <laughs> I and, love it. And man. when his name we've comes been friends up, for a long time. Every, everybody's, you know, yeah, happy to see him. Exactly. Love, love what he's has done, and yeah. hopefully, what he's going to keep doing. Yeah, we'll come in. I'll just probably let him tell most of the stories, and not not that we have a choice, but yeah. So anyway, he'll. Have, <laughs> No, he'll, uh, that'll be, that'll be fine. But so I'll save those stories, you know, for, for another time so he can tell some. Um, sure. No, you know what, Lars, that's a good idea. But, you know, if you guys were out there together and you just, we'll have a little conversation. Yeah. Sure. That'd sure. be awesome. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, like one time we were hanging out, like what happens was when the bow closes, everyone files out in the parking lot. Okay. And then it's like, where's the party? <laughs> I'll tell you where they were a lot of times. They were at our place. However, not always. Um, but one night we're there, and they didn't make it in time to get in, but they were in the parking lot. It was Phil Collins, Steve Clark from Def Leppard. And they had just, they'd just flown in um, from the UK. And Steve Clark was the most approachable guy. Phil Collins was running around like, I, his, his nickname is Tweety Bird. He just reminds me of a bird for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but anyway, Phil Collins running around talking to girls, and Steve Clark is just like, doesn't want any part of it. And like, he's really mellow and like humble and really. So, my buddy Clyde and I go over and just start talking to him. Well, it turns out they just did the first gig with Rick Allen back by himself. They'd had the drummer for, I think it was Status Quo. So, Rick was back and they were doing some, they were doing a big festival, but they were using two drummers before Rick, you know got to um, come back and do his own. Well, what happened was apparently the drummer for Status Quo missed his flight. 
So this was the first gig they did with Rick um, by himself. And, you know, Steve Clark's like, oh, you know, and he's pissing down buckets and the gear's all wet and he's going on and on and on. And it was just like, we just sat there and just like old friends and he was so down to earth. You know, it was tragic what happened to him, you know. It was uh, such a nice guy. Just no, I mean, just no errors whatsoever, you know. Uh, that was a really... That was a really cool time because I was a Def Leppard fan. I mean, I still yeah, am, but absolutely. my first band, you know, that first EP came out when I was like in high school and we were playing songs off that, my first band. So it was, nice. it was super cool. Yeah. Um, I think it was Gabe. <laughs> I think that was Gabe. Must be the pollen in the air. Perhaps. Um, so I don't know, Len, you got anything you want to add here before I, but I, before I spring out the last couple stories? Well, you know, we got about uh, seven minutes or so before the, the technology starts working at us. So, uh, Perfect. I'd love to okay. have you here. Keep on going. All right. So when we couldn't afford to eat, <laughs> the Rainbow has a great menu, and we couldn't afford to eat there. I mean, we got the five bucks. A couple times we did. But what we did was the world-famous Okie Dog was between there and our house. Okay. It's been on Bourdain's show before and, and stuff. It's been there forever. There's been songs written about it. So you didn't eat in. It was, it was sheltered and it wasn't real small stand. It was a decent size, but you know, like runaways hung out there. And like, this, this is two or two 30 in the morning. Right. And you'd go there and there was two, two Asian guys be, um, that cooked that they, they had the big grill with the onions and peppers. And we had the long hair, everything. Every time we go there, they're like, oh, heavy metal, heavy metal. You know, they were trying to say heavy metal. Yeah. And they were like the Saturday Night Live skit. But for like $2.15, 2 dollars back then, you had this giant uh, flour tortilla, two foot-long hot dogs, pastrami, cheese, onions, and peppers wrapped up in a giant bag of fries that you needed to get home before those fries were so greasy they'd bust through the bag. So that was like the thing. So that was our stop on the way home. It was always getting pulled over, too. Well, you know, we never got a ticket. But there was always something. You know, I was like, well, they've been selling meth down here. And it was like, and they searched the van. You'd be like, you can't warm this up in a microwave. Hurry up. We need to get home and eat. We're hungry. <laughs> and so we never got a ticket. So the Okie Dog, Okie Dog was great. That was, that was happening. So, but one time we did... I think Clyde had some money for some reason. His parents must have sent him, or one of his girlfriends. I can't remember what it was, but once we sat and ate at the bar. Let me get a drink real quick here. My allergies are killing me. Mm. And the door's open. So, for once we get to sit down and eat, I sit down, and I'm not really starstruck much. I've seen a lot of people here, right? I sit down, and literally right next to me, like two feet away, is Jeff Peck and Jimmy Page having dinner together. Oh, wow. That's pretty sweet. And like, of all the things that I, all the people I met, that was like the coolest. And once again, you know, I just looked over and I just remember Jeff Peck looking at me and Page, both of them, you know, I'm turning my head because I'm, I'm reliving the moment because I was sitting here and they were over to my right. And, you know, I just like, hey, and they were like, hey. And then the whole time I was trying to look out the corner of my eye without, <laughs> <laughs> without being... You know, and I was just like trying to ease on. I think, uh, I think Jimmy Page might have been in the firm then, mm -hmm. eighty 
six, maybe. I'd have to look it up. But for some reason, I'm thinking him and Paul Rogers were like in the firm together and stuff. So, um, yeah, but that was probably the coolest one. You know, and Blackie Lawless used to hang out there. He was so tall from Wasp, he could sit his drink on this, on the top shelf of the rainbow. It was insane. Yeah. And just people coming in and out all the time. But so that was, that was the most fun, you know, place out there for me um, when you would just hang out, you know. Like I said, so that's some of the club stuff. I don't know. That's some of the stories. I uh, I think, you know, I may have covered most of the stuff on my notes. Real quickly, you asked me about documentaries last time, and I had so many spinning around in my head, I couldn't think of any. Number one is Anthony Bourdain is my all-time favorite. Now, mm -hmm. I don't know what you want to call this. I've seen anything he's done, or Kitchen Confidential, the book, mm -hmm. uh, Cook's Tour, No Reservations, um... Parts Unknown. I've probably seen some of those shows 50 times. Like when it's late and I don't know what to put on, I go there every time. So that was one. The Warhol Docs, not that old. It came out. It was a four-part not too long ago. And that was really good. Um, there's one on the Rainbow. That's a really good one. There's one on the Sunset Strip. That's a really good one. And uh, the one on Sound City. Have you ever seen that one? No, Sound City is one of my favorites. That's because of the that history is, oh of my going through those circuits. And Dan the Torpedoes hmm. was the very first cassette I had in my very first car, and that's where they recorded that Sound City. Sound City did a lot. Yeah, yeah. It brought a lot of very people wide. together. Yeah, and the music is you know another another one. Um, Muscle Muscle Shoals. That's a great one too. Man, that's a great one. That's what I'm saying. It's hard. You know, from COVID on, yeah. I'd seen so many that I really just kind of froze. I couldn't. It was just like it was spinning around. I couldn't grab one off there. When you asked me last time, it caught me off guard. So I wanted to recant and come back with, uh, you know, drop some knowledge on my docs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool, man. I want to check some of those out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really cool to hear you relive you know, what, what, what you did, where, where you've been out there. Right. And, uh, you know, I just, I, just, I was it, a kid, you know, cool. it was, I was a kid, you know, it was, it was, I'm glad I took the initiative. My kids go, dad, how did you, like, I could never just go somewhere and not nobody and live there. And I said, it just seemed like the thing to do at the time. Somebody's got to do it, you know, and it opened the door for a lot of my friends to be able to come out too. That's cool. Whether they stayed, stayed for a while come out for vacation. I mean, you know, and if someone else would have done it, I would have been just like them. I would have been the one who would want to come out too, you know? So uh, there you have it. Just went out there and kind of had some fun and thought I'd come in and uh, tell some of that little small window of my life um, on, on today's podcast. Do you podcast. have more windows you want to, maybe in the future, maybe another 15 episodes here? Uh, <laughs> To be honest, like 90% of my music career was after that because I was young then. You know what I mean? <laughs> you <laughs> rock, man. <laughs> well, you know, I'd love to have you come back and talk about that. Yeah, you know, I don't want to hog it up, but we'll definitely. We'll... <laughs> there'll, be no. fifth, there'll be 15 more episodes before What we'll you come. do. But that we'll won't just, take very long. We'll do a 24-hour session where I just, we'll do them all and at once. chop them up. And then you can just like release them. Hang out. Right yeah, yeah, man. Hang out, man. Yeah. It's all good. Right Lars, on, and Lars, we're thanks, celebrating. Uh, our birthdays are so close that we're we're celebrating with Russell's ten year reserve here. I'm three weeks <clears throat> older. 
than Len. So <laughs> my birthday was like three weeks before his, and his was just recently. So uh, we thought we'd celebrate with a little Russell's ten year reserve and uh, some just some good friendship and some good stories. And I, you know, I, I so appreciate it. And uh, you know, I'm just happy that this, you know, you shared this vision with me at Park Street Tavern, and I thought after a gig, after I was playing with Third Degree Sideburn. And you, you know, once you said to me, you got, someone's got to hear your stories at the end of the Oak. And I thought, what are you talking about? And then you said it at Park Street. And I was like, ah, you know, we've been drinking. Len's, it's just not going to happen. And then the next morning I get up, Len's already bought gear, sends it to me. I go, Gabe. She's like, well, looks like you're going to have to do it now. <laughs> and I'm glad I <laughs> and did. did. And I'm and glad I you, did. And you, I'm glad that you took your vision. And unlike me, who procrastinates on 13,000 ideas, actually made it happen so cheers to you well, my friend we have it off the my ground old friend we, we have it off the ground and we've right. known each other a long time yes but at the yes. same time um I, I appreciate you know this gift of uh good cheer heck yeah man and the gift of your your life and your stories man it's 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 fun and i appreciate i, I you appreciate you giving me a chance to uh you know, it takes usually it takes a few drinks and someone i know to start spilling them but i'm not really one to you know, social media wise, I'm not one to start dropping a whole bunch of stories. So you gave me a chance to just flush every name down the toilet in one episode. <laughs> There's a couple that you haven't touched upon yet, but I think that's going to come in the after years when you came back to Columbus. Maybe that, and again, I'd love to hear some of that because that's that's when a lot of us know you from, right? Oh yeah, I mean that's you know sure, like you don't know me from Hollywood, right? That's All right, man. I really appreciate it. Let's hang. All right, and uh, so we, we appreciate everybody listening. Uh, Lars Raymond. Facebook, teachers. Red Students, teachers. If you need some drum lessons, Facebook. be sure to hit up Lars on Facebook. Uh, he is an uh, instructor at uh, Music Royale. In my house, I have my own studio on the east side. So east side and then pal both. Okay. And playing tomorrow night, Finnegan's Awake with Toast. Nice. And what date is that with the year? July 22. It's tomorrow night. So 20, Saturday. Oh. 2023. <laughs> yeah, better, it's that. We better post Look that. Look on my face. Tonight. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe the two, the two stoners are still up. We'll oh, they're out it. there. They're not even in no, here anymore. I don't know what they're doing. No, I think they're fixing no. cheese and crackers or something. Yes. They ate all the cheese and crackers from earlier. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.